Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to video number 83 and audio season four, episode 21 of Music Is Not A Genre. A big warm welcome to 2022, who better not fuck it up, because, you know, we've had some uh, iffy years this past couple of years, so this second half of this season, we're going for the positive uh, right off the bat, if that's what you could call it. Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Uh, for as little as $5 a month, you can also support the audio version of this podcast at anchor.fm slash music is not a genre for any amount, uh, one time or per month. Any amount is appreciated. And as always, you can see just about everything I do at youtube.com slash Nick DiMatteo. That is the hub. And please subscribe there. You can. This week, uh, the topic is The Smithereens, a New Jersey revival band that deserves its own revival. And if you've been following along, I'm going to give you a little history of, of, of me, very short, but if you've been following along, you may know what I'm getting at. Uh, I, was, I was born in Philly, and that will always be city-wise my first love, let's call it. Uh, I'm, I've been a New Yorker for a couple of decades now, and that will most likely always be my favorite city and my home. And in, but in between... And I've mentioned this maybe once or twice. Uh, I actually was a, a proud New Jerseyan, New Jerseyite, uh, d- d- denizen of New Jersey. I don't know what the term is. Uh, for about 30 years, uh, you know, New Jersey has a reputation. It has several reputations. That's what makes it interesting. I'm going to go on record as saying that it may be the greatest state in the nation. Why? It's diversity of terrain. It's diversity of people. It's so different from south to north. It is the, basically the reverse, if you look at it on the map, of California in terms of shape, certainly not size. It's the most densely populated state in the nation. It has amazing shores, shore towns. And for some reason, there are quite a few parallels between New Jersey and California, and we still haven't figured out why. One thing that New Jersey is known for, well, let's, uh, I'm going to say two things right off the bat that New Jersey is known for. Uh, it's good music, and there are a whole hell of a lot of Italians in this state. I, I did an episode. It was that kind of catch-all episode where I wedged in there 
called it the Goomba edition, and I talked about the, the you know various uh, the prevalence of Italian singers in music and and all of that. When I was creating this here, and I'm, there's a list associated with this, that's why I'm talking about it. I noticed a very similar thing, not quite across the board, but that you know being from New Jersey and being in some part Italian uh, often goes hand in hand. I, I don't know if anyone's done demographic study on what the actual percentage is there uh, of that. But I bring this up because uh, of the band in question here uh, from New Jersey and whose prime mover, I call him, uh, Pat Tenizio is certainly Italian, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. So I grew up in New Jersey, and I say I was a proud you know, citizen of New Jersey. That wasn't necessarily always true. I mean, I did move to New York, and I, and I do feel like there's a Philly pride there. But the older I get, the more I realize when you are from New Jersey, you are very Jersey. If you've, if you've lived there for any stretch of time, especially in your formative years, you have certain qualities about you that are just Jersey. You know, and people who may not know this area of the country that well might say it's East Coast, Northeast. Yes, that's absolutely true. But there are certain qualitative differences in every region. And even, you know, when I moved to New York, I could immediately tell a difference between people from New York, people from New Jersey, even though those accents can be very close. Uh, the same as a Long Island accent can be close to a New York accent. Uh, and I remember being relatively aware of some music acts that came from New Jersey, but more aware of acts that came from Philly. Uh, you know, my dad was born in Philly. I was born in Philly and he grew up in Philly and he's a musician and, and I've talked about him before. And so he had a real history of kind of Philly music. And then I picked up on that. Uh, as I got older, and uh, I've talked about Philly when I when I did the episode on G Love and Special Sauce, so I won't really go into that. But I realized when I was putting this together that I haven't really talked about New Jersey, and so you know one of the things I will say about that state is that I think it actually took leaving it to understand how much I love it, and how much of New Jersey is still in me. And I'm, I'm really kind of pounding this in right now because we're going to talk about New Jersey music in the context of, uh, of this band especially, but just kind of overall. And let's start with, I would think, the first maybe three New Jersey artists that, you know, people over a certain age will probably think of when they think of what musicians came from New Jersey. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi are the, the huge ones, I think. Uh, not coincidentally, or maybe coincidentally, they all have Italian heritage. Um, like I said, that often goes hand in hand. But other than that, they don't really have anything else in common, which shows how diverse New Jersey music is. You, you know, you have, you, you know these bands. If you don't, then I can't help you. Well, I guess I'm here to help you. So that's the whole point, you know. But they're, they're very different musically. And then you have 
the Fugees and Lauren Hill. You have Whitney Houston. Two more legends. And I'm going to mention a couple of my faves, Fountains of Wayne, Wayne, New Jersey, uh, named after a place called Fountains of Wayne, and uh, Cool and the Gang, which uh, I always felt kind of proud of that they were from New Jersey. And I'm going to go right into this. Now, if you read the text below, if it's easier for you, go ahead and do that or read along as I read these. This is a relatively comprehensive list of well-known musicians from New Jersey. And you can hear the diversity, and I purposely kept them out of order. I did not organize them in any way, so... You know, not all of the hip-hop groups or jazz groups or rock groups are all lumped together. I just kind of threw in whatever I found I put there to kind of illustrate the diversity here. Uh, the Sugar Hill Gang, which surprised me because Sugar Hill is uh, kind of a sub-neighborhood of, of, of Harlem. If you go a little north in Harlem on the, on the west side, and I assume that's where they were from. But in doing this research, I found out that I, I was incorrect. And I want to say this real quick. For those of you who don't know this podcast very well, uh, I hope you join me and listen to a bunch of other uh, the podcasts. What you'll notice is that I tend to discover things in the process of putting these together. So I do my research, and very often I know a lot about what I'm talking about, but, but also as often I don't. And in either case, I end up discovering things that I didn't know, sometimes very significant things, some just mere trivia. This, this Sugar Hill is, you know, gang is one of those things. Uh, Blues Traveler. I didn't know that. Blues Traveler's from New Jersey. Mr. Popper. Thursday, a band I talked about, along with Taking Back Sunday and bands who have Days of the Week in their name. Thursday is from New Jersey. The Gaslight Anthem, don't know much about them. They're more recent. They've had some hits. Looking Glass, who did that song, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. They're, they were, I think, from New Brunswick, which is where I went to college. And there have been actually a couple of bands from New Brunswick. It's a, it's a vibrant town for music, partly because it's a college town, I assume. Skid Row. The classic, The Feelies, uh, a band that they might be giants mentioned in one of their songs. And I, I want to know more about them. Probably should look them up. Drama Rama, I listened to in college and didn't realize, I even I think at the time, that they were from New Jersey. And they're not a well known band, but a band worth looking up. Donald Fagan from Steely Dan is from New Jersey. Naughty by Nature. Okay. Queen Latifah from New Jersey. Ice-T is from New Jersey. Redman, from Red, Method Man and Redman. Uh, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, it's right there in the name, Asbury. Uh, Ricky Nelson is from New Jersey. Uh, I, don't, I was trying to find out if his sons, his twin sons, who formed that band Nelson in the late 80s, I Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, were also brought up in New Jersey. I don't think they were. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. That's part of what I want here. You to tell me when I'm wrong. The Shirelles, absolute classics. Frankie Valli and all four of the seasons are not just all Italian. They're all from New Jersey. Dionne Warwick, Sarah Vaughn, probably top or maybe in, certainly in the top three of my favorite uh, jazz, female jazz vocalists. Count Basie, Wayne Shorter, John Pizzarelli. I mean, these are jazz giants from New Jersey. Halsey, 
from New Jersey. Mentioned her in the Goomba edition. Patty Smith is not only from New Jersey, she was actually grew up not very far from where uh, I grew up. Uh, I, and I don't know why he's not on here, but I believe Todd Rundgren uh, should add him to this list, and maybe I will after I'm done here. I believe that he's also from New Jersey and from that similar area as Patty Smith. Debbie Harry. Come on. What? Uh, the Misfits and Danzig from New Jersey. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yola Tengo from New Jersey. My Chemical Romance. Gerard Way. You know, one of the co-creators of the Umbrella Academy, for God's sake, from New Jersey. The Jonas Brothers. Don't hate. They're actually kind of awesome, and I respect that they're from New Jersey and, and, and their career. And Gloria Gaynor. So you can see the diversity of this list here of artists from New Jersey. And I know I've left out some, uh, especially lesser-known acts, but I think this is a fairly representative list. And I also know I left out one very important band. Those of you watching the video of this will know seeing these CDs, The Smithereens from Carteret, New Jersey. And I left them out to kind of be cheeky, to kind of prove a point, which is they are often left out of lists. They're often left out of people's memories, even of uh, the 80s and early 90s when it comes to music. And that's part of what I'm doing here if, with this podcast is to shine a light on them again. I had the pleasure of listening to their entire catalog before I did this podcast. There's a couple of their cover albums that I haven't fully listened to yet, which I plan to do after this, but I've listened to all their primary, you know, that, and as well as all of Pat Donizio's solo work, and it reminded me of, A, how much I loved them growing up with them, and B, how great overall their music is. How consistent. How consistent over a period of, over a 30-year recording career. And I'll go over the discography, you know, hopefully not too long-windedly, a little later. Uh, but, and that will illustrate some of the awesomeness of that. And just to name a few songs that if you don't know this band, you should go listen to. Uh, I start with A Girl Like You. And I start with that because it's the one that most often comes up in many people's minds because it was intended to be the lead uh, theme song for the uh, Cameron Crowe movie, Say Anything. But Cameron Crowe asked them to change the lyrics because he thought it gave away too much of the story. And they decided not to do that, so he declined the song. It ended up being a big hit anyway. Blood and Roses, Only a Memory, Too Much Passion, uh, Girls About Town, Recent Discovery, Strangers When We Meet, Behind the Wall of Sleep, In a Lonely Place, which I uh, will be covering my partner Catherine probably later this year. House that we used to house we used to live in. Drown in my own tears. Yesterday, girl. This doesn't even come close to the number of songs that I absolutely love, but it's a great place to start. And I call their music a uh, dynamic mix of revivalist 1960s rock, punk, and power pop. And all of those are types of music that I very much enjoy, which is probably why I gravitated to this band fairly early on. 
uh, and I find it ridiculous that so much of their work is so hard to find. You can go on the streaming services and the album, the original album, especially for you, is not on there. There are other versions of those songs on there. The original album isn't on there. Uh, their first EP is not on there. There's, there's several other, the, some of the covers. Hard to find. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. As I've said before, it's a good place to look. But you can't find everything, and that's just a shame. And hopefully that, you know, there's a campaign, uh, hello, if anyone in the, in the surviving members of the band is watching this, I would love to help with that, to try to get the word out there. Uh, I'm posting this, as I do with all of my podcasts, on the fan site for this, because I myself am a fan, and I would hope that the fans might enjoy this discussion. And also, again, tell me what I'm missing. Tell me if, I'm, if there's something you know, wrong <laughs> about what I'm saying. Why don't I just go straight into this discography? And I will say right off the bat, I knew way less about the Smithereens than I thought I did. You know, I came to them with the album especially for you. And as you can see, I don't have that on CD if you're watching. Um, I tried to see if I had it on cassette. I don't have it on cassette either or vinyl. I know the whole album and remember a lot of it to this day. And I do not know where I got it from. I might have uh, copied uh, like a cassette copy of my friend's, uh, friend's copy of it, I guess. I don't know. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. First EP, two EPs, Girls About Town and Beauty and Sadness. There you go, right off the bat. I had no idea that they started their recording career in 1980. I assumed they were kind of a mid-late 80s band. And I, man, that first EP is so cool. That's the title song is awesome. Just the way it has that kind of, you know, post-punk new wave production to it. And then Beauty and Sadness expands it more into kind of the sound that they would eventually evolve into. And that, again, that title track with that Tomorrow Never Knows drum beat is awesome. And then, yes, especially for you. So that was my introduction. Uh, Strangers When We Meet, Listen to Me, Girl, Behind the Wall of Sleep, In a Lonely Place, Blood and Roses. Uh, the song Especially for You is not on that one. It's on this one. Here, Green Thoughts. Talk about being cheeky. This was checked, this band and this album in particular was checked by Kurt Cobain himself as being some of his favorite music. And, you know, I knew early on that Kurt Cobain was into kind of power pop. He even mentioned the Monkees at some point and other bands like that and the Pixies. But I didn't know that he was into the Smithereens. I didn't know it at the time, certainly. But you can see why. And the more you listen to Nirvana music and understand the pop sensibility there, that it, it was ultra power pop in some ways. And I mention power pop a lot, A, because my band, Rec, I classify very loosely as electro power pop, and B, because I love power pop. You know, I've mentioned Fountains of Wayne, who actually performed with the Smithereens in the late 90s, seems so appropriate. I've mentioned Matthew Sweet. I've mentioned how other bands could be considered after the fact power pop, many bands of the 70s, even so, a lot of things the Beatles did. Uh, and the, I mean, Smithereens, perfect example of that and the way they combined that harder rock, whether it was punk or metal or just kind of classic rock sound with that 60s revivalist pop sound and the 80s, 90s sensibility 
clearly power pop in so many ways. Green Thoughts, first CD of theirs I actually bought and and you know what it seems to see here if you're looking is the last of their original albums that I bought. Also, Only a Memory, House We Used to Live In, Drown In My Own Tears, some of my favorites. Uh, the, the album 11 with A Girl Like You and Yesterday Girl, I knew those songs, but for some reason did not get that album. Uh, I think at the time I was getting more into kind of classic rock. And so I they, skipped that. Blow Up, I was blown away by. I had never heard it before until recently. I knew Top of the Pops. I knew Too Much Passion. Uh, but Now and Then, also an awesome song. And I just feel like that album, in some ways, may be the most representative of the band, where what they did after, what they did before, all kind of came together on this album. But you could maybe equally say that about their 94 album, A Date with the Smithereens, Another one I hadn't heard all the way through. Everything I Have is Blue is an awesome song. Miles From Nowhere was a song I knew. And it's just a super, super strong album overall. Love, I feel like production-wise, this may be my favorite of theirs. Uh, then here, in the middle here, if you're watching, Blown to Smithereens, The Best Of, which was from 95, uh, right after Date with the Smithereens, which was 94. I think... That's an excellent place to start if you want kind of a shortcut to get into this band. Find this album. It, it's unfortunately, I don't think it's on streaming services. And if that's the case, then you can just go for another Greatest Hits album. I happen to prefer this one because it's the one I got. Also, though, if you want to go slightly deeper but not, you're maybe not ready to listen to their whole catalog, go for uh, From Jersey It Came, that anthology. That's super comprehensive and uh, probably the best place to begin if you can dig it up. Uh, God Save the Smithereens, after somewhat of a break, uh, this was in 99, and it really showed, I think, growth. And I love the production of this album, too. You know, it, it, it kept with what they do, the strengths of what they do, but added more elements to their sound. And then they did a lot of live work here. Uh, I know Pat put out some solo albums, and it was primarily because the labels lost interest. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about how the industry is fickle. And if you're not selling a certain amount, then you will not be promoted, which seems like a catch-22, but what can you do? And that's what happened here. Uh, it, was, it was primarily because of their cover albums, which were two uh, Beatles. One I have here, Meet the Smithereens, a recreation of Meet the Beatles. And the B-Sides Beatles, which I haven't listened to yet and I plan to, uh, a Christmas album and their excerpts from uh, Tommy, from the Who's Tommy, those led up to a label then saying they, they got an agreement. We are also going to put out our own solo or, you know, our own original work, which they did in 2011, their last uh, original album. And had I been following them more closely at the time, I think I would have just loved this album when it came out. And those of you who do follow along know that 2011 was also the last year that I significantly bought any CDs whatsoever. So it's kind of weird that this fell through the cracks. 
Um, but it, what was weirder about that album is I feel like I had heard those songs before and I don't know how I would have. Maybe I streamed it at some point way long ago and they're in my memory somewhere. They make memorable music. They just do. And the ones in particular, uh, One Look at You, As Long As You Are Near Me, Good Night, Goodbye, I, they stuck with me. They must have stuck with me from some previous listening. I have no other explanation as to why that might be the case. I'll say this about Meet the Smithereens. And one thing you'll know about my podcast, if you do listen, is that I'm very honest about the fact that other than certain facts that I state, if I'm talking about the music itself, it's very much opinion. It's very much subjective as it should be. And it's in part because I don't want to come across as some final authority on any of this. The, 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 idea of all this is always to, you know, elucidate and educate and, and to strike up a conversation and to get passionate about the music and to hear from you all uh, as to things that, again, I've missed or I've gotten wrong or things that you totally agree with that you are so happy that I said. And uh, in that case, this Meet the, uh, meet the Smithereens, I was so psyched when this came out because it was a band I had lost touch with for a while, you know, probably 15 years or more, and thought, oh, geez, my two favorite bands come together, you know, or two of my favorite bands, Beatles, top favorite, Smithereens, certainly in the mix. And I was, I'll say, underwhelmed by, by the CD. And I think it's because... Their intent was to do a faithful recreation of the original Meet the Beatles with some, obviously, modifications based on how the Smithereens play. And my hope was that they would be more interpretations of those songs, which were more heavily leaning towards the style of the Smithereens. Because as you know, if you listen, uh, you know, I prefer covers that tend to interpret rather than recreate. I haven't heard their B-sides. I am very excited to hear the B-sides Beatles cover album to see how they do with that. But again, as I said, that's just an opinion. And uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on this as well. Now, uh, because, you know, I've always told you I have a soft spot for artists who persevere despite the ups and downs of the industry, of the career, of any personal issues they may have. It shows proof that the music is the most important thing for them. When I do my chronologies, look it up. That's a term now. And I did a, I did a whole uh, podcast episode on chronography. Uh, I learn a lot about the bands that I listen to. And one thing that seems to be quite common in the bands who have longevity is they often do better music or equally good music after they've left the spotlight. And that's certainly the case with the Smithereens. None of their last, you know, two, three albums did very well uh, commercially but they're just as strong as anything else. And so I have a lot of respect for the fact that they stuck it out even through and to some degree after the untimely death of Pat Denizio in 2017, which I'm going to confess I didn't know about. I, it's like I said, I lost touch with this band 
and missed out on a lot of their releases, but also missed out on his death. And, you know, my, you know, Beatles shirt and the hat here is sort of a tribute to him. And it's, it's sad, you know, and, and I know that you guys already know that, know how sad it is, but, uh, you know, it's four, almost five years later and it's, it's still, you know, kind of devastating. And yet, you know, the, the rest of the smithereens got together and with, couple of vocalists, primarily Marshall Crenshaw, are touring and, and doing the Smithereens music, which I absolutely love, and I hope to be able to catch a concert of theirs uh, if concerts return in full <laughs> anytime soon. And I, you know, will say that part of the reason why I have a soft spot for artists who stand the test of time, whose work doesn't suffer just because of the career may not be where they might want it to be or where it was is because I often look at my own career that way. You know, I've released 15 albums and EPs and hundreds of songs and worked with dozens of bands and musicians and so many performances and all of this. I have a new album, uh, my band Rec is putting out a new album this year, which I'll talk more about as these podcasts progress. Uh, I'm going to put out one, maybe, uh, I think at least one compilation uh, album at some point, probably this year. And I'm working on an EP with my partner, Catherine. This is a testament to the fact that, again, the music is the most important thing. And that career kind of takes its own course I love that the the idea of the definition of the word career is another way to use it. When you're careering down the road, it kind of means that it's uncontrollable. The trajectory of what's happening is uncontrollable. And to some degree it is. There are many things that you can control, your your creative output and, and the way you present it to the world, but how the world responds to it, not necessarily so. That said... To kind of converge these two ideas, uh, when I re-listened to the Smithereens catalog, did my chronography, I realized how much their music sank into me from an early period. And in fact, I would, I would maybe claim that my idea, one of my you know primary ideas of what power pop is and how I structured some of my power pop work, especially in my first decade, came from the smithereens sinking into my blood from my teens onward. And you can, you can hear that kind of mix of it. You know, they showed that you could do singer-songwriter music, which is primarily what this is, it, you know, that prime mover, Pat Denizio, in the context of a band sound with a, with a rock edge to it and have haunting qualities to it, whether in the sound or in the lyrics themselves, and still have very strong pop sensibility, which really, in some ways, and, and, and have that sheer kind of rock joy, energy to it, really does sort of define in some other way what power pop is. And you can hear that influence and their influence in so much of what I've done, including, especially the earlier work, including songs like Do You Wanna, uh, Deal from Metro Grand Sessions, which is on all streaming services. It's almost over from that same album. And then, phew, this week's pick, 
which has clearly that kind of jangly, beefy power pop pedigree to it. A song called Beautiful Love from Rex's album Parts and Labor. And again, you can stream these anywhere, but as you know, if you've been following along, you will get to hear it at the end of this podcast as well. And what I think you'll hear from that is, A, a lot of the Smithereen songs did address uh, relationships and relationship issues, let's say, and that's certainly a part of this song. There's a cheekiness to it, uh, which it's the third time I've used that word, and I think that's appropriate considering the Brit influence that the Smithereens had and you, that you can hear in Beautiful Love as well. You'll hear a straight-off power-pop hook, and, and again, like that, that, but it is primarily a pop song, harmonies and all of that stuff, and I'd love to get your take on it and see what you think of it. It, it goes over very well live, I will say that. And it is actually one of my favorite tracks from that album, Parts and Labor. Uh, Labor spelled L-A-B-O-U-R, by the way, another Brit tribute. Uh, so look that up and stick around and listen to it. Do you know the Smithereens? Did you know them? Do you remember them? Do you remember any of the songs I mentioned? If you've looked them up and heard them again... Uh, do, do, do they, do you recall them or do some of those songs stick with you like they have for me, even though you may not have heard them for decades? Are there other artists you wish people would remember more? I recently looked up this band, Question Mark and the Mysterians, who did 96 Tears, and I don't have a particular love or, or, or dislike for that band. I was just curious about them and they're still around. You can't find most of their music online anywhere which in this day and age I think is crazy. Are, so are there artists you feel the same way about, whether they're you know obscure people or fairly more well-known like the Smithereens? Did I miss any famous New, Jer- New Jersey musicians? I'm sure I did. It's like I said, I can't believe Todd Rundgren wasn't on that list. Are there musicians you're proud to call natives of your home state or country or wherever you're from? I would love to know that. It's kind of fun wondering, like, I feel like you can hear, the more I listen to New Jersey bands and their kind of mix of music and the way there's always kind of a, a rock thing in there, but it's also funky and it's also poppy and, you know, certain things like that, that there is somewhat of a New Jersey sound that has held, it's changed, but there are certain Jersey music elements that say, that certainly you can hear in my music and in any of the bands that, that I've mentioned. And I want to know your opinion on all of this. Answers to those questions and any kind of feedback whatsoever, because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting. Here's to the new year, and I will see you next week.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 